Hi guys, and welcome to episode 13 of the Nintendo Village podcast, your weekly half-hour Nintendo show. I am your host, Phil Myth. I am joined by the newest addition to the Nintendo Village crew, Mr. Mark Maltby. Hey Phil, how's it going? Absolutely grand, mate. I'm excited to dive into the show this week because we've got a bunch of cool stuff uh, to chat about. There's been some cool news this week. Uh, We're also going to talk about uh, Mario Maker and Link's Awakening and Zelda Maker and all that potential kind of stuff. Uh, and obviously a couple of games that we've been playing as well. So stay tuned for all of that stuff. All right, cool. So let's jump into what we've been playing then this week. There hasn't been any major releases. Uh, I was hoping to be playing Scalboy this week, but that got postponed to January. Not a big delay, thankfully. Not a huge delay. No. Not a huge delay. But I played it back at um, Gamescom and it was really, really cool. So I'm really looking forward to that one. So I'm glad that it's not too much of a wait for it. Uh, so in the meantime, I've just kind of been working through my backlog, uh, given that it's huge, <laughs> the huge amount of games we've had this week. Uh, so I've been playing a little bit more of Luigi's Mansion 3, which I absolutely love. Really, really enjoying that game. How far have you got? Uh, so what have I just done? Is it the movie set bit? Have you done that bit? I, I haven't got to that bit. I, I've done... Have you not got to that bit? <laughs> no, I've done like... um The, the most recent one we've done is... The castle one with the, the suits of armor and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that was quite interesting doing that, actually because I'd played that at like events at like EGX and things, um, but then it turns out the one in the game is actually a lot bigger than the demo <laughs> version. They'd cut out like a lot of different rooms and things. So when I got to, it, I was like, oh yeah, I know this. I can do this like the back of my hand. And then I got like two rooms in. I was like, wait, I, I've not seen this before. Wouldn't it be funny though if you'd seen something at EGX that then wasn't in the game, <laughs> yeah. like a deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> Like, get a director's cut version of Luigi's Mansion 3 at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, so uh, have you been, so you've been playing Luigi's Mansion 3 as well then, I take it? Yeah, I'm playing it co-op with the missus. It's, it's fun playing it co-op because, um, well, actually it wasn't fun to start with because the game doesn't <laughs> doesn't tell you that um, you can't start playing co-op until about sort of half an hour, 40 minutes into the game. So oh, yeah, of she course. she was just sat there like... Mark, I thought you said this was co-op. I'm like, yeah, it is. I know it is. Just wait. You've got to be patient. And she was like, hey, what is this? Who are these characters? What's going on? And I'm like, no, I promise it will be. And then she'd wandered off. <laughs> but eventually we started playing co-op and it, it is great. I was saying that'd be great if the co-op bit was like the end game. <laughs> yeah. So you start like, play through like 30 hours of Luigi's so like, Oh, you can come and play now. <laughs> yeah. It, the other game I've just started though, um, Children, Children of Mortar that I'll talk about a bit more in a minute, like the indie game. Um, that's the same. You, we, again, we started it and I was like, oh, there's no co-op option. And I kept saying to her, no, honestly, there is co-op. And she was like, it's Lu- <laughs> like Luigi's Mansion all over again. You have to do sort of 10, 15 minutes of that before it unlocks the second player as well. <laughs> Apparently gated co-op is a thing now. Gated co-op. That's the way to describe <laughs> it. That's exactly it. <laughs> there should be a bit of a warning, I think. <laughs> so how is Children of Mortar? Oh, it's, I've it's, heard good things. It's really nice. Yeah, it looks great. It's a bit like... um. It's a bit like Dead Cells in in its sort of um, unlocking and progression format, um, and the un- and the sort of collectibles and everything like that, and, and the difficulty actually because it's pretty brutal, um, and stylistically pixel art, um, very colourful, very sort of like graphic novel sort of colours, um, and you it's like a top down dungeon crawler, um, a bit like Diablo or a Neverwinter Nights or something like that, but um, oh, cool. in pure indie style, right. That's cool. So is it all, is it procedurally generated or is it, um. Yeah, man, it's like a roguelite. So every time you, 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 you die, you do a run 
you know, you get to a point. <laughs> I kept getting to the same spider boss, which is the first. I'm basically terrible at it. <laughs> uh, that's what I've discovered. <laughs> um, I get, keep getting to the first boss, who's this sort of spider that drops from the ceiling and smashes you um, and, and sends out little spiderlings at you. Um, and then dying, and then you go back to this hub world, and you can do your upgrades and things, and then you jump back in uh, upgraded, yeah. um, which obviously makes it easier for the second run. That's cool. I've I've got like a funny relationship with uh, procedurally generated stuff because usually I like really like well crafted like meticulous level design. Mm-hmm. But that said, played through Sparklight recently, oh yeah, which is a procedurally generated one, and I really really enjoyed that game. And I think the reason why it like hooked me in a way that some procedurally generated stuff hasn't is because they kind of baked it right into the lore of the game. So the premise was basically there was a world that was being attacked by this dude who's basically like he was trying to mine it for these like precious stone type things. And the planet, by way of sort of combating that, like kept rearranging itself. So that's how they got over the sort of randomly generated stuff. Okay. Oh, that, that's, that's like actually built into the sort of story physics. Yeah. It's like a universe where things are procedurally generated. I like that. But basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really cool. And it's, it's a really good game, actually. I'd recommend uh, checking it out. It was a lot of fun. The other thing I've been playing on the indie front as well is SteamWorld Quest, which I still haven't finished yet, but I'm still working through that. Big fan of the SteamWorld games. Dig 2 was actually the first one I played, but like, I love that to bits. And I... I'm always so impressed at how Image and Form are able to turn a hand to like multiple genres and just come up trumps every time. And create just ridiculously compelling gameplay uh, that's just, that, that they've just, they've managed to just get the gameplay, like everything else just goes to one side almost, and they make it so addictive, that, that those guys. I completed SteamWorld Quest in like, just just two days of like straight playing it. <laughs> so, addic- so addictive, but I, I quite like sort of turn-based games like that i'm a big fan of like darkest dungeon for instance yeah so, yeah i love it yeah no it's really cool i like the again i'm sounding like i'm saying i don't usually like this but i really like this one uh, <laughs> yeah. but again like the, the card mechanic thing like when they first like revealed that I was like oh i'm not usually into that kind of stuff um but mm. like you say it's, it's just it's perfectly done like it's there's enough depth there to make it really compelling but it's really accessible still i find like sometimes some of these like car based games could be a little bit daunting up front oh definitely yeah they assume like an understanding of sort of 24 sided dice and (laughs) all this other weird stuff like you've got to know all this arcane facts (laughs) and that you just want to sort of play a fun game for a bit and and image and form are great at taking you into a new sort of genre i imagine it got steam steam world dig probably got a lot of people who don't even know that they like metroidvanias (laughs) into metroidvanias (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and like us now we're saying you know we love card games now I'll play a card game. Yeah, actually, we uh, we had a press release through for one uh, this week, which actually looked kind of cool, which was a card-based one. It was funny, isn't it? Uh, anything else you've been playing this week, then? Oh, I've been playing a bit of a game called Always All Awakening, which is like an 8-bit style um, adventure, platformery, metroidvania sort of style. And I've, I've picked it up again because the developers, Elden, Elden Pixels, I think they're called, they did a Kickstarter event recently um, for that for a it's like a sixteen bit sequel. Oh, cool! So I've signed up for the Kickstarter and kind of they because of the hype for that, I got sort of the feeling that I wanted to jump back in. I never completed it because I got stuck on a particular boss, right. but now I've got a couple of like um, D pad Joy Cons, so I'm going to tackle that boss and smash it. Happy days! I've heard I've, I've heard good things about um, Alice Awakening actually. Apparently, it's quite a good good little adventure. It's great. 
it's really good little venture. Uh, the main character is called Zoe. She wears like a little purple robe thing, and it's just your sort of normal sort of adventure story. Uh, she's got to save the world. Um, but the it, when you first start playing it, actually, the the motion feels quite sluggish because the jumps are sort of quite long and floaty. Right. But once you get used to it, it all feels. I just really like the style of it because it all feels very chunky and solid. Nothing feels sort of like broken or or out of place. It all f- it's like you were saying about um, in contrast to procedurally generated. This isn't, and it all feels really precise and carefully constructed, yeah. which I love. Oh, that's cool. No, I'm going to have to go back and check that one out. Uh, the only other thing I've been mentioning again, as I've been working through the myriad of games that I've still yet to finish, <laughs> is um, Astral Chain. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is like a killer game. Like I never actually really got into the Bayonetta games for Platinum, but something about Astral Chain just kind of like... I remember when it was first revealed... Which was, I think, it was it was it E three twenty seventeen? First feel that twenty eighteen oh, maybe. You're testing my memory here. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think yeah, maybe maybe E three twenty eighteen. Yeah, like, I don't think we've known about it for that long. No, I think you might be right. Um, yeah, but I remember yeah that reveal came out. I was like, oh cool, like another action game for platinum. Like that's fun. Not my thing. No worries. And then we got another look at it at a direct. Just like oh actually, this is kind of looking kind of cool. And then. I just got totally, totally swept up in the hype just around the time that it was about to launch. I ended up pre-ordering it like two days before it was due to come out. And just loving it. The polish on it, the presentation yeah. is so good. Like the voice acting is fantastic. Like the stories really intrigued me as well. So I'm glad that there's like a little bit of a lull now in the run up to Christmas where I can like go back and finish it off because it's great. The combat's fantastic. Story's great. It's fantastic game. Yeah, and it just looks stunning. Like every every moment of that game just looks absolutely st- I think it probably is one of the best looking games on the Switch alright cool and so to the news then uh, the big news this week was a massive update to Super Mario Maker 2 which at the time of recording will arrive tomorrow so it could well be live by the time you're hearing this uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but the big news on it is that one of the items that's been added in is the Master Sword and if you get the Master Sword you turn into Link but it's not just a sprite like it was with the amiibo functionality in the first game back on the Wii U. But you can use your bow and arrow, you can use bombs, you can deflect enemy attacks with your shield, you can use your sword. It essentially turns Super Mario Brothers into Zelda 2, right? It's like a 2D platformy thing with Link in it. Yeah. I'm like blown away by this. This is going to like bring me back into Mario Maker, absolutely. I can't wait to like go hands-on with it and create all sorts of Zelda levels and Zelda dungeons. We had a bunch of people... Um, creating Zelda dungeons anyway in Super Mario Maker 2. Uh, we featured a couple on the site, but I think this is just going to open up a whole other like bunch of crazy concoctions, right? So, so people were making Zelda dungeons kind of before you, you said, how did that work? They were just kind of like with keys and roomed areas and things. Yeah, kind of essentially. I know there was sort of like various themes. So one of the ones we featured was like the Great Deku Tree. Oh, yeah. And it was actually really, really well done. Like it even had the... um the 23 is number one puzzle at the end before the the, the boss fight kind of thing. It, it was cool, like, moving through it. It was basically like a 2D version of the Deku Tree. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the uh, the level code over after after we've finished. I'll give that a go. That sounds awesome. So, yeah, so people have been, like, incredibly creative with this stuff anyway. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what kind of, like, Zelda-y things they come up with. Yeah, because it kind of has the capacity to sort of... Because you can't just choose to be Zelda and play like a normal Mario level. So you have to put the sword in. So you'd be able to create a level that you can only get to the sword as Mario. And then you can imagine that you'd have to then find your way out of that as as Link. And there'd be 
It'd be like it'd be a bit like how in Crafted World, when you're going backwards through the level, you're seeing a different version of it because you've got new abilities. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super. I'm, this is really interesting and exciting. It will definitely get me back into it. That would be really cool, actually. Or you could even have like a level that like half of it is World One One that you play as Mario, and then you get to the end, get the sword, turn into Link, and then you've got like a dungeon to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could. It's, it's this. It becomes this weird hybrid because. I don't think it didn't show that you could start the level as Link. I don't think. Did Did you see that? I don't think so. You could probably do it where if you just like had the sword like start like above Mario, like so it's essentially drops on him from the get go. But yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it's crazy. It's essentially becoming almost like NES remix. <laughs> yeah, it is like <laughs> yeah. a it doesn't like remix sort of situation <laughs> where you've got. It's just really odd to have like well, actually, I mean, Link's Link's Awakening has got sort of Goombas and um Bob yeah, Arms, true. you know uh, and, and and those in it so that's a bit of a weird hybrid anyway but that's in a weird fever dream <laughs> yeah. you know it's like a fever dream Zelda game I mean to be fair Super Mario Maker has always been a kind of weird fever dream of Mario anyway hasn't it that's that's so true yeah it's a weird <laughs> fever dream of Mario but then having Link in there as well makes it because what where could they go to, what are they going to do next I mean we're going to get Samus that would be cool. I'd take that. Maybe uh, Pit. It's just throw yeah. all like the old like classic any because it the update or at least the Master Sword does only work in a Super Mario Brothers art style. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So you can't use it in, like 3D World One or even in like Super Mario World or anything like that. It's specific on the yeah, bit one. Probably makes sense to keep it like um, Zelda Two sort of thing. Yeah, although it would have been cool to have had like a 2D version of like the uh, Link's Awakening sprite. Oh, yeah. Like side or something like that. That would have been sweet. Could happen down the tracks. Down the tracks. You, you never know. Down the spirit uh, tracks. Hey. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. Dip your waitresses. We're here all week. <laughs> uh, yeah, moving on. Uh, so the Pokemon Global Link uh, is closing down in February, I believe. This is how people have been able to uh, battle and trade, I think, in certain ways uh, on gen 7 so this isn't um available to people playing let's go or sword and shield at the moment it's only available for pokemon sun pokemon moon and then the ultra versions of those games we're also expecting pokemon home at the beginning of next year so it kind of feels like maybe pokemon home will be arriving in february i bring this up because it's an interesting thing in terms of pokemon's like online and battling and the whole like wonder trade system and all that kind of stuff a lot of people like this um the global link service they they use it a lot especially when it comes to you know the whole national decks thing which won't get into too much but it's going to be interesting i think to see what pokemon home looks like when it finally drops right and so this seems to hint that we're going to be getting that potentially in february i don't know much about any of this topic i'm afraid i right. hadn't really even heard of pokemon global link and i googled it i saw it on here and i thought i better google that and read read up about what it was and thought oh there's an online battling thing for people who have got gen 7 <laughs> but not having played gen 7 myself i uh, i skipped that one um so i feel like i've missed this <laughs> sorry man yeah. that's fair enough i i totally honest i didn't play gen 7 either okay uh last the last one i played before let's go is x and y um have you been playing Sword and Shield? Haven't jumped in yet, just because the backlog is so enormous and threatening that uh, yeah. <laughs> that I'm scared to sort of get something else. I'm trying to be a little bit sensible in the run-up to Christmas and not not 
not get like three or four massive games like that. Yeah. Because I didn't, I haven't picked up The Witcher 3 yet. Right. And I think when that was announced, I was like, oh, I'm going to get that day one. Because, you know, big open world, sort of a bit Zelda-y sort of style. Mm-hmm. It's really up my alley. But no, I've not done that yet because I know it's going to be 100, <laughs> 150 hours or something. But Pokemon, I mean, I, I don't even really know what Pokemon Home is. So you, you can tell me all about that if you want. I, no, no clue. So it, it's the... Oh, I forget what the, the existing system's called now, but basically when people move their Pokemon, uh, is it the Pokemon Cloud? It's like a cloud service thing. Um, this is really bad. It's a Nintendo podcast. We should know about all this. Uh, we should. <laughs> we should. <laughs> yeah. We've wandered into an area that we're on uneven ground. Um, but basically, yeah, it's the Pokemon Bank. That's the old one. That's the end. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, yeah, so people could move their Pokemon from older games into Pokemon Bank. Uh, and then they could move them from their, those games to the new ones that came out. Obviously, they can't do that with Sword and Shield because Sword and Shield isn't uh, compatible with Pokemon Bank, but it is compatible with Pokemon Home, right. which I think is essentially replacing Bank. And so people will be able to send their Pokemon from like Pokemon Let's Go and I think from Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and Sun and Moon and stuff to the new Pokemon Home service. And presumably, if they're on the national decks in Sword and Shield, they will be able to move those Pokemon into Sword and Shield from home as well. Right. Um, but as it stands, uh, Sword and Shield are the only games that can give and receive Pokemon from Pokemon Home. So, like, you could transfer Pokemon from Let's Go and stuff into Home, but then you won't be able to get them back again. Okay. That's my understanding of it, as it stands. Okay. okay. Hopefully, we'll learn more in February when the Global League shuts down and Pokemon Home, in theory, drops. Yeah, okay. So, so Pokemon Bank previously was this, was a sort of trading storage sort of network, which is why you called it cloud, which is great. But Global Link is more of a, a, a battling hub, is it? So far as I, as far as I can work okay. out, yeah. So that, that, so that, are they moving the features from Global? We, we don't know at this point, or do we know that are they moving those features from Global Link with the battling into home as well? Or we don't know. Uh, so it looks like the battling features are actually baked into Sword and Shield themselves as part of the Nintendo Switch Online. Ah, okay, cool. All right. So, yeah, some of those features are already across, and then the other bits, which is the trading bit and the storage things, are going to be in Pokemon Home, we think. Let's move on. We don't really know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. If if someone does really, really know know this stuff, it'd be great to feel free to come on Twitter and chat with us about it. Yes, uh, please, yeah, do. please do. Yeah, uh, yeah drop us a, a message and tell us how much we got wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the other news item I want to talk about is some news from Super Monkey Ball director. Um, I'm going to see if I can pronounce his name properly. Masayo Shirosaki. Oh, nice. That was really good. That was really good. I didn't do too bad with that, did I? Yeah, cool. Go on, yeah. <laughs> I haven't practiced that for half an hour before we recorded at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he, in a interview with Crunchyroll, uh, was asked about Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD and why specifically they remade that one obviously when it was announced everyone was kind of like that's cool and all but that was the worst one why don't you give us super monkey ball one and two and he basically said that yeah one and two are the best games they're my favorites as well but given the limited time and budget that we had okay uh, banana blitz was the most obvious choice which makes sense because it's the closest to hd super monkey ball we've had even though it wasn't hd when it came out but Figured like it'd be less work. But he did say that if it sells well and people buy it and play it, then there's scope for them to go back and remake one and two or create a brand new Super Monkey Ball game. Ah, uh, did he say that? I heard about the um, potential 
you know, uh, re- remake or remaster, but not the not the new one. That would be kind of cool. I'd love that. Uh, did you buy Banana Blitz? Uh, I didn't, but it is kind of on my list. I do kind of want to pick it up okay. because from some of the reviews I read, um, the removal of the motion controls actually makes it a lot better than it was back in the day. Okay. Uh, apparently, some of the mini games are still a little bit naff, which is fair enough. I, I kind of like Monkey Target was great in the first game. That was fun, and the Monkey Fight one with the boxing glove on the spring. Monkey Target was amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, that was fantastic. I loved Monkey Target so much. That was I could take a whole mini game of just I could play that probably just by itself. Is there a Monkey Ball on mobile phone? I'd be surprised if there wasn't actually. I feel like there might be. You think there would have to be? There'd have to. Surely there has to be. There was one on the GBA, wasn't there? I think back in the day, or was it on the DS? Oh, God. Again, testing yeah. memory. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's been a few. Like I was surprised. Like when I was. Uh, writing a story I was like looking into like other monkey ball games and it's like there's actually been more than you think because like, I thought there was like one and two and then apparently this banana blitz one which I somehow missed when the week came out um but yeah apparently there's been like four or five of them okay um but I would I would definitely take a a new super monkey ball absolutely has it ever been explained how the monkeys got in those balls it hasn't presumably somebody has been a bit mischievous mm I feel like that needs to be explored in in a new game. I just I need a bit of a backstory there. H- how's this happening? You need like a full on like monkey ball RPG. <laughs> a full on monkey ball RPG with like a a thirty minute opening cutscene that explains all this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we'll just get Kojima to direct the new monkey ball game and just see what craziness comes out of that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's still pretty crazy as it is. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, monkey ball sort of four K only. Uh, yeah. I, I mean monkeys in balls who came up with this it's completely bonkers it is although thinking about it it couldn't have been nefarious because in monkey target they can open the ball out as a glider that's right they can so maybe they so they're clearly in control of the ball yeah they're just like zorbing it's just like a a, they're all just having fun (laughs) zorbing around (laughs) that's what it is maybe i wonder if it's in the same uh universe as monkey barrels and so like humans have been wiped off the planet and now just apes like, put around shooting up fridges and gliding with giant plastic balls. You know, I only noticed, talking about just monkeys and apes and stuff in general, this is a complete <laughs> tangent, but someone posted on Twitter the um, the Donkey Kong 64 rap. Yeah, so it's been 25 years. 25 years. Did you watch it? Did you watch, have you watched it recently? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course you did. <laughs> but it's great. I love that rap. It's, 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 I, I don't know how to feel about it, but. Um, what <laughs> struck me for the first time was that that I've been assuming that Donkey Kong, Dixie Kong, Diddy Kong, etc., were like a legitimate family, but they can't actually be a family because they're all different species. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never noticed. This is a very good point. I've never noticed that Did- Diddy Kong's got a tail. <laughs> I always thought Diddy and Dixie were like boyfriend and girlfriend. Right, but. Uh, Baby Kong is it Baby Kong from Donkey Kong Country Three? Was Dixie's little brother? Man, I don't, I don't know this. I don't know this lore. We, we need, <laughs> we need a, we need a Donkey Kong family tree. I tell you, uh, the, the Nintendo Nostalgia guys could help us out with this. They're all huge Donkey Kong Country fans, so we'll have to hit them. Nice, up ask them, and uh, I'll get them to get them to fill us in. I mean, I'm a fan, but I just don't know all this family tree stuff. <laughs> Right, so we're going to move on to our topic this week, which harkens back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with uh, Link's 
Awakening, uh, the the Dungeon Maker, but it was essentially a Dungeon Maker. Was it? Chamber Dungeons, that was it. Mario, Ma- Mario Maker, Super Mario Maker. And then, yeah, yeah. and then Mario Maker opening. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, I forgot. Link's Awakening has a Dungeon Maker, doesn't it? Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah or, or, or a pseudo one, anyway. Yeah. So, I suppose, like, we're kind of flirting around as Elder Maker, and, and Miyamoto has said that uh, that's basically what the impetus was behind the Chamber Dungeons in Link's Awakening. He basically challenged Aonu, but to say, like, you know, could you make a Zelda maker? This seems like another step towards that. Um, do you want a Zelda maker? Do you think it would work as well as Mario Maker does? Do you want one, Phil? Tell us. I, I, I don't know if I do. Yeah, I'm not sure if I do. I think, yeah, there's something a little bit precious. Yeah, and also, like, I like the Chamber Dungeons. In Link's Awakening, they're like they're kind of fun, but I don't know how you could create them in a way that would make them more uh, like have more variety and stuff, and yet still maintain the accessibility of it. Because that's the beauty of Super Mario Maker, right? Is that it's so easy to just pick up a stylus and like draw draw your levels out. Mm. Whereas Zelda Dungeons, by their very nature, are more convoluted and puzzles and need to be really, really thought out. And so I don't know how well that would translate to a maker thing that would have like universal appeal yeah i can imagine there being a lot more terrible (laughs) than there is great and then you know there'd need to be some really good curating tools in the software to make it to make it really to find the really good ones but but, but, i mean my reaction to it is a bit less sort of thought through than yours it's just (laughs) kind of ah i just there's something icky about it because in my mind Mario is kind of quite a sort of fun break it apart sort of world and we've watched Nintendo create various sort of um, they've iterated on all their styles and thrown loads of stuff at it and there have been games where Mario will get huge and then be able to run through loads of blocks things like that you know Odyssey where you can you know become a dinosaur and stuff so it's already (laughs) a bit crazy but there's something a little bit sort of precious and more confined about the Zelda universe that doesn't quite lend itself for me to a Zelda maker. And also, you know, Zelda isn't just the dungeons. I mean, there are there are dungeons in Zelda, obviously, but, um, you know, there's also worlds to explore and side quests and characters and story and all these things. And I don't want just the, the dungeons, really. I'd want all of that as well. Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Like as much as like I love Dungeons of Zelda, and it's one of the things I would love to see make a return in the Breath of the Wild follow up is like more traditional dungeons. It is. It's it's the lore and the world and just the whole adventure yeah. of a Zelda game that makes it so appealing. And so, just having the dungeons on their own would be cool, I guess. But I don't know if it is quite do it for me in the same way that Super Mario Maker allows you to essentially have an like an endless Mario game. You it wouldn't be an endless Zelda game because it would still be missing some core components of what makes Zelda Zelda. Yeah, because one of the really exciting things about a, a dungeon is coming out of the dungeon when you're sort of level you're sort of a little bit leveled up, you've either got like a new ability or you've got an, you've got that extra heart, you're you're just ready to tackle you go back into the world with your new skills and abilities and I don't just want to go straight back into another dungeon <laughs> uh, so there's something a little bit more um, 
just a bit more claustrophobic about the dungeons than the Mario levels, which are kind of a bit more sort of frothy. I, I don't know how to explain this, but there's something that I'm feeling about that, that I like the experience of going back into the open world and then thinking, oh, I've got to tackle that dungeon. It feels a bit like a job. It's a fun job, but then you're getting something from it to take out, to carry on with the quest. Yeah. And I think maybe it's just the just the genre of game it is. Maybe the these maker style things only really lend themselves to platformers or they lend themselves to platformers in a way that they don't for like big adventure games. They they could probably do it if, I mean, because we're assuming here that it is just your standard dungeon level, but I think Nintendo could do some, some way of doing like a smart way of doing it where maybe you can create little open world sections with forests and stuff and you know, maybe there is a way of doing it that we've just not thought of and they could surprise us and make a brilliant one. I'm sure they could. And then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be talking in like a year going, can you remember that podcast where we were, we didn't like the Zelda maker idea. Look how brilliant it is. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we we're thinking about it. Maybe you could create the world as well in the same way that you'd like essentially like create your town in Animal Crossing. Mm. Maybe you something similar like that. And then you have your dungeons and then you nab the cutscene maker out of Wargroove and stick that in there for the story bits and done. Hey, presto, you've got. A new Zelda game. <laughs> I, I, the, the one thing I really think that's missing from Mario Maker actually is the world creation. I think people should be able to create levels and then put them in order of, of you know, I know I know they can call them like you know Mark One One, Mark One Two, etc. But it'd be brilliant if they could put that on a little map, and maybe that's how they could do it with like a Zelda Maker, where they they could have like a map that you can run around on, and they've they've put the dungeons in different locations. It's just it, it becomes much like you said right at the beginning it becomes much more of a technical undertaking yeah. than than just putting some blocks in a row yeah. I, I know mario maker isn't just that but you know you know what i mean it's, it is a bit more simplistic yeah and that i think that that'd be the one big thing that i'd want in mario maker like moving forward i think would be almost like almost like playlists yeah, like, yeah yeah playlists. You call them that, yep. where you could create your own worlds and just like cohesive games that'd be cool yeah definitely Right, I think we shall wrap it up there as we've just about reached our time for the show. But thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Mark, for joining me on your first Nintendo Village podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. Phil? Paul? What? <laughs> Paul? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Phil. Well, you're not coming back now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, obviously, we'll have you back plenty of times, I'm sure. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening to the show, everyone. If you did, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter and stuff. You could find us at Village Nintendo. Check out thenintendovillage.com. There's loads of stuff on there, like news, reviews. There's more podcasts. There's YouTube bits and pieces, cool features, all that kind of stuff. You can find myself on Twitter if you want to have a go at me for not knowing enough about Pokemon Home, uh, <laughs> at Philme. And if you want to shout at Mark for not knowing anything, you can find him at... At SmarkTweeter. <laughs> and that wraps up this show. Thank you very much for listening once again. We'll catch you all next week. <laughs>